We are back for yet another episode of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com. I am your host, as always, Jeremy Brand. Um, I'm not going to dig into the news myself today. I am joined by MMASucker.com's own Callum Leslie to discuss the news and this upcoming weekend's UFC Fight Night Bader versus OSB fight card. Uh, thanks for joining me today, Callum. Not a problem, Jeremy. It's always a pleasure. Now, uh, before we dig into this weekend's fight card, some news we can go over a little bit. Today it was announced a lot of people thought that Gina Carano was going to be signing with Bellator. That wasn't the announcement, but they did announce that women were returning to Bellator and they had signed Marlos Conan and Julia Budd to their roster. Do you think adding the women and bringing them back is is, is a big step for Bellator? For sure, for sure. Um, I don't know if it'll be out by the time this show comes out, but I am, I'm currently working on a piece for the site uh, entitled Bell- Why Bellator Needs WMMA and Why WMMA Needs Bellator. I think this is a really, really great decision for Bellator and for Scott Coker, particularly working with two women who he knows so well, to bring in a featherweight division at a high level. Personally, you know, I think Molly's Coonan versus Julia Budd could headline a Bellator card later this year. Maybe even it's going to be for an inaugural uh, featherweight title personally that's that's what i would do i would just go straight in there because they're two of the top 145 pound fighters in the world you're not giving each of them an easy fight you're just going in there with with kunin and bud i think malus kunin is a great ambassador for bellador as well uh, particularly in europe she's hugely experienced she's got a lot of really impressive wins on her, her record she has some less impressive w- w- losses to people like misha tate and jessica andrade but she did beat uh liz carmouche and she's beaten a number of other ufc Bands and weights as well. I, I believe there would have been an opportunity for her to sign with the UFC, but she doesn't want to cut down to one thirty-five anymore. Um, so she's going into Bellator at one forty-five, which makes sense for her. Um, you know, if she's being offered the right money and offered the right deal for Bellator, I don't, I don't see any issue with signing for Bellator over the UFC. I mean, if you're Marlos Kunin, how much of the the UFC are really going to offer you compared to what you're going to get from Bellator? You know, are they going to offer you ten grand a fight? to fight for the UFC. Look at Sarah McMahon and Laura Murphy on the, the Fox Sports 2 prelim card on Saturday. You know, they're not being given the, the spotlight that they deserve, so maybe she's going to get a better spotlight in Bellator. Do you think that um, if the UFC doesn't end up signing Chris Cyborg, they you know, they've said they want to do the Cyborg-Rousey thing, obviously that hasn't come to fruition yet. Do you think Bellator is where she's going to sign? I think there's a real danger of that for, for the UFC because... That 145 thing, the same reason that attracted Marlos Kunin, it could really attract both Cyborg and Gina Carano because neither of them are entirely comfortable with going down to 135. Gina Carano has very rarely made it in her career. Cyborg has never done it before. It really makes more sense for them to be fighting at 145 and it's it's frankly a healthier decision if you're looking at them as people for them to fight at 145. So, you know, do Marlos Kunin, Julia Budd for a title, then do Marlos Kunin versus... Uh, Gina Carano, then do Marlos Kunin versus Cyborg, and Bellator suddenly the the world leader in WMMA. Sounds if you discount Ronda Rousey, yeah, definitely, exactly. Um, we've heard these two signings, Kunin and Bud. Who else do you think uh, will will be in the Bellator WMMA division? Well, it's difficult because we don't know the the contractual status of uh, of a number of Invicta fighters. We don't know where they're at with their events. Obviously, they have one. Uh, coming up on on September 6th. Crucially, no featherweight fights on that card, which I think is quite interesting now, uh, given what we know. Uh, perhaps Eddie Ann Gomes is one who might 
jump over. I know she hasn't been entirely happy with what's been lined up for her in Invicta. Um, there are a number of others, people like Charmaine Tweet, um, who, who could be top featherweight signings for them, but obviously it depends what their, their contractual status is. The featherweight division isn't actually that... Um, it isn't that stacked. There are a number of good fighters, there are a number of lower-level fighters, there are people like... Uh, Fiona Muxlow, people like uh, Tamika Brents, who are good fighters but definitely don't have any sort of name recognition um, and would need to be built up by Bellator. So maybe you could see them doing bringing in some top names for title fights and maybe even doing a tournament to get some of these these lower-level women established. For sure. Now, I, I saw a tweet that you you tweeted Matt Sicaro today. I know you probably don't want to talk about this, <laughs> but War Machine, this guy... Has been all over the place. We got Dog the Bounty Hunter after him. Um, he beat up, allegedly beat up his uh, ex-girlfriend. Uh, but we didn't post anything on MMASucka.com. And, and you said, I'm quite proud that MMASucka hasn't run a single yeah. piece since his initial release. I couldn't agree with this more. Yes, it could add to page views on the site. Yes, it could add to extra clicks and whatnot. But it's it's a judicial thing. It's not big MMA news. Where has War Machine been in the last year other than jail? Well, I mean, he got released from Bellator, and that's news. That's MMA news, since he's a, a a fairly prominent figure within Bellator and a fairly prominent figure within the scene. So, fine, that's the news. There's some legal stuff, but really, that's not for us to report. That's not MMA news. And whatever, people care about things like that, but I don't really mind. I don't really want to talk about it. I just think... He's a scumbag, and we've all known that for a long time, and a lot of people have turned a lot of blind eyes to it, um, and suddenly it became not ignorable anymore. Okay, let's move away from that then. Let's talk about something other than that, that big happened this week. John Jones injured a new UFC 178 main event announced. We'll talk about that in a few minutes here. But Jones injured during training. He injured his leg on an apparent takedown from uh, Alistair Overeem. Yes, Daniel Cormier was an ex-heavyweight, but what is he doing sparring with Alistair Overeem to get ready for Daniel Cormier? Okay, so there are a number of reasons why John Jones may have been sparring with Alistair Overeem, and all of them are slightly questionable. <laughs> Honestly, I think probably... I mean, what other heavyweights are there at Jackson's? There's Travis Brown. Who's, yeah, who's injured. Who's injured. So, you know, who else is there if you're Alistair Overeem? to be training with. I guess so. Yeah, that that's true. So I guess the who Travis Brown all he spars with is John Jones. Yeah, well I mean I, if you get you know if you get a spar if you don't have any heavyweights you got to spar with the the biggest guy there. True. So who who else is there? Well there's uh, is Frank Mir still training at Jackson's? Uh, Frank Muir is a bit of a, you know, a, a rogue fighter I think. He trains a few different places I believe. Arlovsky, is he still at Jackson's? Yes, he went back there before okay. his last his last fight. Yeah, so you've got you've got Overeem, you've got Arlovsky, but you know, say Arlovsky isn't there that day, you know, if you're gonna pair out Overeem up with anyone, John Jones is the is the height of a heavyweight certainly, and you know, he's obviously a little bit out from his from what was going to be his fight. He probably is carrying a little bit of extra weight. He certainly does walk around at what something like. 240 at yeah. 250 at different points so i don't think it's that crazy that you'd be sparring with overeem however 
if I'm John Jones and I'm going into a title fight and I know this is a fight that's going to make me literally millions of dollars, then I don't know. If I'm being unkind to Alistair Overeem, he doesn't have the greatest of reputation in the training room, does he? So maybe maybe you stay away from Overeem when you've got to protect your money-making tools, his leg and his ankle being one of those. But didn't this just hit everyone? Just like a punch in the stomach? Yes, because it went from being UFC 177 and 178 went from being two decent cards or good cards to being just another two cards. So I think UFC 177 is... And let me have a look at this. Because I, my, my feeling is that UFC 177 may well be a worse card now than if you had taken what was left of UFC 171. Oh, yeah. UFC UFC 177. Yes. So, what do you think of that? Do you think it? Do you think it is a better card? Do you think that we now have what is probably the worst pay per view of the modern era? It definitely could be. A lot of people thought UFC 174 in Vancouver was bad. This could be even worse. Oh, this, this is nowhere. This is nowhere near the level of UFC 174. I mean, UFC 174 had. It had intrigue, at least in the top four fights. Yeah, you had you had top level guys in the in all four fights, and you had ranked guys all the way through the card. I mean, everyone except Arlovsky was a top fifteen ranked guy on that card. Whereas UFC one seventy seven, you've got what Dillashaw and Barrow, uh, Bechko here, and that's it. Yep, there there are three out of ten fighters on the main card. I believe two three debutantes on that main card it's crazy Shayna baszler richard odoms and carlos diego ferreira i think he's a debut he's a debutant i mean you have got fights like lorenz larkin and Derek brunson and scott jorgensen and henry kujero who is is a debutant as well on the prelim card but that's just a super weak pay-per-view and i think even with two title fights that card looked awful it really really did and demetrius johnson i don't know I don't think it's going to make too much of a difference to UFC 177. So in the situation the UFC were in, I think it was a good decision because I don't think Demetrius Johnson is doing is is adding really any more buys to UFC 177 as we've seen he is not exactly a draw. And then you save UFC 178 from being a canceled card. That is a strong card top to bottom. Well, I say top to bottom, bottom to nearly top. It's a very <laughs> strong card. Then let's I mean, even yeah, you're looking at like you know Manny Gamburian and Cody Gibson. That looks like a great fight. Bobby Green, Jorge Masvidal. I'm excited for that fight. You know, the, there's a whole load of good prelim fights. Patrick Cote and Stephen Thompson even on that UFC 178 card that had the potential to be a stat card top to bottom, and now it's gone from like the best, most anticipated main event that we were gonna get in 2014 potentially to. The main event in 2014 that no one wants to see. Exactly. Not a single and, person. And obviously Demetrius was trying to hype it up the day that it got announced because he went on Twitter. He said, now we have a real main event for UFC Bless 178, which is great. It's good to hear DJ actually sort of, you know, turn into not a heel, but actually show some enthusiasm about something. So, yes, he's trying to hype it up the day of the fight, but he hasn't done anything since. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. I guess you've got Conor McGregor on that card, and 
you might as well just have Demetrius Johnson and Chris Carrioson can go on last, but you got to make Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor your main event at this point, haven't you? Yeah, you You've do. Gotta, I you... mean, we spoke about it the other day when this got announced. We we spoke on Facebook and on chat and whatnot and said, this is Demetrius Johnson against who? I mean, the average fan does not know who Chris Carriasso is. The average fan didn't know who John Moraga was when Demetrius Johnson fought him, but at least they had the Fox platform to do the countdown show. This one you're going to get... A countdown show that not many people get to see because it's a pay per view. Um, other that than was also free as well. That, John exactly, Raga, John was, Raga was free. free, and and he had a bit more hype behind him. Um, he had this mystique. Chris Carriasso is is a guy that not many people are familiar with, and I think this is going to be even even lower pay per view buy than than what it was definitely going to be because we said John Jones. And DC was huge with the way they were building it up. There's no way DJ and Carriasso can build this up the way Jones did. No. I mean, unless Chris Carriasso, it comes out, is like America's answer to Conor McGregor and no one knew it, <laughs> then no, this is not, it's not going to work. I mean, the only fight I think you do, I don't think you should put Demetrius Johnson on pay per view, honestly. I don't think he draws. I think it's a waste. I think you could do better numbers on Fox with a title fight. And when your title fights, are going to draw, you know, are going to draw potentially sub 200,000 pay-per-view buys against Chris Carriasso. The only fight that people care about in the flyweight division is Demetrius Johnson versus John Dodson. Unfortunately, John Dodson's leg fell off and that fight isn't going to happen this year. So put Demetrius Johnson against Chris Carriasso if you want, but do it on Fox. I'll even do it on Fox Sports 1. I'm sure Fox will give you a ton of money to put a pay-per-view, to put a, a, a quote-unquote pay-per-view caliber fight on uh on a a tv card but it's this this mindset they have now that title fights have to be on pay-per-view because they're doing so many pay-per-views and they only have so many champions that aren't injured so every title fight has to be on pay-per-view because if it's a title fight it's a pay-per-view main event and that's not strictly true when you've got newer divisions like flyweight like the women's division as well and to a lesser extent the bantamweight division but they just haven't built up the stars in the right way Definitely. Now, one more thing before we get into this weekend's fight card. John Jones injured, not coming back. They moved his main event fight with Daniel Cormier to January 2015. Gustafson, who he was supposed to face originally, who was injured, says he has definitely more than enough time to come back, but no one is interested in that. He continues to criticize the UFC for rescheduling Jones Cormier. What are your thoughts on this whole situation? Should it be John Jones versus Alexander Gustafson too? Yes, absolutely, because that is the fight that Alexander Gustafson earned. He earned it in, I, in my mind, he earned in, earned in the immediate rematch, but he certainly earned it when he put away Jimmy Manoa. That was the deal. This was his fight. Um, he lost his due to injury, but now that fight isn't happening anymore. So. It's his fight. He should get the next shot. I mean, I guess I'm just sort of really, really... This sort of thing really worries me because I just think of the cautionary tale of Eric Koch where you become number one contender. You know, there's an anticipated title fight with you and the champion. You get injured, then you get replaced, and then he gets injured, but you don't get the fight back, and somebody else gets it, and then you lose, and it just ends up really badly for you. Uh, I mean, Eric Koch ended up having to change weight classes because he couldn't reestablish himself in the featherweight division. And I'm not saying Alexander Gustafsson is going to suddenly start losing to, you know, Rafael Cavalcante yeah. <laughs> and people, and uh, OSP and people like that. But 
it could be really hard for him to regain that spot. You know, he's going to have to fight guys. Is he going to? He's going to have to fight the winner of the. He's going to have to fight Rumble Johnson potentially. He's going to have to fight uh, maybe a Phil Davis. Though I know they train together, so that might be a a difficult matchup there. You know, he might have to fight Glover Teixeira or Rashad Evans or any of these other top guys in the two hundred five division, which are going to be tough fights for Alexander Gustafsson. This is his fight. However, the fight that makes most business sense is the one that everyone wants to see. I, I think I said this to you earlier in the week that this this fight night has now been delayed five months. So Daniel Cormier has got to keep himself relevant. So I said they should ship him off to SPG, ship him off to Ireland, give him Connor as a manager or something, or get Connor <laughs> to train him on how to do promos. Let's get Daniel Cormier to put out like weekly YouTube videos calling John Jones a bitch, saying that his leg isn't really hurt. And he'll he'll fight him tomorrow in the street. It just has to give him a meeting place. Just get, like weekly YouTube rants from Daniel Cormier about John Jones and how he wants to literally kill him and things like that. <laughs> that That's, would be fantastic. Keep him in the consciousness. It's it, I, I'm semi serious. The no fighters kidding. need to learn how to do that that sort of thing, like Conor McGregor, to keep themselves relevant when they're not building up for a fight. No kidding. All right, this weekend another 205 matchup. We got. Ryan Bader versus Ovin St. Peru. Let's talk the rest of the card, though. I won't go over the preliminary card, but it does have four awesome matchups on it. Um, other than the women, which you sort of spoke about earlier, Sarah McMahon, Lauren Murphy, who aren't getting the credit they deserve, what's the one fight of the four preliminary sports <laughs> twos that you're interested in most? Well, <laughs> I mean, for a start, the top three fights of the prelims should replace the top three fights of the main yeah. card. Like those should just the, the bottom three fights of the main card. Those should just swap because Tom Watson, Sam Alvey is just violence. That's got great violence potential. Tom Watson, a really underrated fighter, but super tough. Sam Alvey, young, hungry, great knockout power. Uh, Sarah McMahon, Laura Murphy. I think Laura Murphy is is a great fighter at, at bantamweight. Sarah McMahon coming off a title fight is in a prelim. I don't understand how you can go from saying this woman is worth paying $60 to see to it's not even worth you staying in late on a Saturday night to watch. I don't understand that. Um, but really, the the true crime, as much as those two are terrible, is Jose from Egan Zapnikovsky. No kidding. With John, with John Dodson now injured, that's... I mean, for me, I think you probably should have pulled Formiga out of this fight to go headline that pay-per-view. So the fact that he can't even get on a main card is kind of disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, we're not going to go over the three fights that you said should have been switched. Let's just go to the top three fights. on. <laughs> Let's the pretend Fox they don't Sports. exist. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about the Fox Sports 1 card. Six fight main card. We won't talk about the bottom three. Let's go right into the middleweight division. Tim Bosch, Brad Tavares. This fight has knockout power written all over it, but it could also be the boringest fight we've ever seen. What What is your take on this one? Oh, man, this is such a dicey one, as you said. I think uh, Brad Tavares has long been touted as a a new grey-white hope in the middleweight division. His momentum was stalled by Yul Romero. They've put him on TV a lot, which I think is odd, given he only goes to decision. Yes. Um, or at least he only goes to decision in the UFC. I mean, he had five finishes on his way in and then KO'd Phil Baroni. But he hasn't finished a guy since he finished Phil Baroni. Even guys like uh, like Bubba McDaniel, he wasn't able to, to finish them, which isn't the greatest of signs. <laughs> um, he really is what needs to rebound from that Yul Romero to fight to keep himself relevant. 
But Tim Volch is is one in three in his last four fights. And granted, they were against Munoz, Filippo, and Rockhold, which are top guys in the division. But he does have those those wins against Lombard and Okami on his record. He has the the split decision win against CB Dalloway in possibly the most pro wrestling MMA fight you will ever see. Um, still one of my favorites. Um, the eye pokes, the controversy. Yeah. The point. It was amazing. I loved it. I loved every minute of it because I'm a wrestling fan. It was great. Um, but this could be a do or die for Tim Boach. He's they're not known to keep guys hanging about, particularly when they're earning more than the uh, absolute minimum UFC wage, uh, as Tim Boach undoubtedly is because he's been around for a while. Um, he's not the cheapest guy to keep around. So if he slips to to one and four, I could see the UFC giving him the old heave ho. Yes, and he would look good under another promotion's banner. He is a big name for a, for another promotion if they were to sign him and the UFC were to let him go. So it's not it's not a huge loss for Tim Bosch because he will be getting paid big dollars somewhere else. But as you say, he does need the win. I look forward to seeing him getting destroyed by Alexander Shlomenko. <laughs> All right, lightweight division, co-main event, Gray Maynard returns to the octagon after a bit of a hiatus against Ross Pearson. Pearson had a story the other day, um, I believe on MMAJunkie.com, saying that all he needs to do is touch Gray Maynard's chin and this fight is over. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I think I was going to say I think that's entirely true. Um, Ross Pearson has great knockout power. He has great hands, great boxing. And Gray Maynard has shown in his last two fights that he has no chin. So... This is one of those ones where you think this could get really, really ugly. And that, that Gray Maynard Nate Diaz fight was really ugly. Like that wasn't a fun fight. It was Gray Maynard was was literally out on his feet for the last couple of minutes of that fight until the, the referee stepped in. Ross Pearson is super motivated coming off that Diego Sanchez fight. He's re I, I know from speaking to people who know people in Ross Pearson's camp or speaking to people that, that know Ross He's so frustrated with the way his 2013 went. He had the 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 quick the reasonably easy knockout of Ryan Couture, but then the the no contest in Manchester against Melvin Gillard. He was really bummed out about that because he wanted to put on a good show in his hometown in his his home country. And then the the bizarre split decision loss to Diego Sanchez. He's so fired up and so motivated to get back on track. Um, I think this could well be the best Ross Pearson we've ever seen. And Ross Pearson, I mean, this kid has some of the best footwork in the lightweight division, I believe. His boxing is on point, as you said. Gray Maynard could be in some serious trouble right from the get-go, as as Pearson doesn't hold back. He's not a guy that's going to stand still and, and sort of feel out the pace. He's going to be taking it right to Gray Maynard right from the opening bell. I could see this being very similar to his fight against George Sotteropoulos, where Sotteropoulos just didn't get a chance to get anything in Pearson was too fast his striking was was too quick too clean it's it, I think it's going to be a e pretty easy day at the office for Ross Pearson all right main event time I myself at UFC 174 saw both these guys fight I saw the lead up to this fight in the post-fight press conference where someone stated Ryan Bader Ovin St. Pru looks like a perfect matchup to make it, it sort of happened right there on the spot Bader looked good in his fight OSP, you know, pretty much ripped off uh, Ryan Jimmo's arm. He looked fantastic as well. Um, this fight, yes, Bader is the favorite, I believe. OSP has also some great footwork, but in the light heavyweight division, he's very fast. 
Um, he's just a supreme athlete. I I find this one to be a toss of the coin. I know a lot of people are picking Bader, but I could definitely see OSP shocking some fans. For sure. I think uh, OSP has a lot of skills. He has a lot of tools in his arsenal, those submissions in particular. Uh, I'd love to see him pull off another Von Flew choke, but uh, I don't know. This is a very hard one to call. It's If it goes to the ground, it could be a very rough night for OSP if, if Bader is able to wrestle him. I mean, the, the visions of that anti-Paroche fight in Australia are forever seared onto my mind of what happens when you just get absolutely dominated by a wrestler for three rounds. That that fight was ugly. I know I've talked about ugly fights on the show already today, <laughs> but that was a really ugly fight as well. I think Ryan Bader looked good against Rafael Cavalcante, and that was uh, a, a big test for Cavalcante. Bader is something of a gatekeeper in the division. It's now always P's turn to try that. Is OSP better than Cavalcante? I don't think so. I think that's it's it's tough to to say whether or not OSP is better than Feijao, but I think Feijao probably just edges that. And in that case, then you know, do I give OSP a chance against Ryan Bader? Logically, you have to say no, but I don't know. I guess I'm hoping for something more interesting than a Ryan Bader decision victory. All right, Callum. I know. I'm pretty sure I know what your pick is going to be for this, but give us your pick for fight of the night on this uh, UFC Fight Night 47 card. I'm going to go for Formiga and Mikovsky. Do it. That's what I was thinking in my head. I think uh, it's a it's a close run thing between them and Watson Alvey, um, and possibly Sir McMahon, Laura Murphy if Murphy brings it out of McMahon a little bit. But I think it's probably going to be Formiga Mikovsky. Um, I see that one being a very close fight. I see it being a very close decision. Um, I don't think either guy is going to is going to get a finish. I actually am leaning towards Makovsky, um, purely on momentum and, and the run that he's had and some of the skills I've seen in his last couple of fights, but Formiga is one of the toughest guys in the flyweight division. He's one, he, he does have those losses to Dodson and Benavidez, but he has been improving and his performance against Scott Jorgensen was very impressive indeed. Um, I think, I, I think maybe Zach Makovsky edges it. He is Callum Leslie. You can read his words weekly at MMASucka.com. Where else can people find you in social media universe, Callum? Uh, I'm on Twitter at CallumLeslieMMA. You can also read uh, some of my event reports, though. They don't put my name on them, so you never know which is mine, but you can play Guess Which uh, in Fighting Spirit Magazine every month. Uh, FightingSpiritMag.co.uk, maybe, <laughs> is the email address, is the web address. Google it. I don't know. I don't protect, I don't prepare these things. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Callum. Always a pleasure chatting fights with you and uh, all the best, man. Absolutely. I'll hopefully speak to you again very soon. Perfect. As we said, he is Callum Leslie. He writes for MMASucka.com. Very good uh, opinions on the fight card that is coming up. Also on, you know, some of the news that we chat about. So he was Callum Leslie. He's my one guest that I have on the show today. Finishing off the show will be Justin Perot's Unpopular Opinions. And without no further ado, here's Justin. Hey everybody, it's me, Justin Pirro, back again for more unpopular opinions on Sucker Radio here at MMASucker.com. First off, and I know you guys have been hearing about it for just about a week now, but I still got to get my two cents in on this. The whole deal where War Machine beat his ex-girlfriend, Christy Mack, and whoever that dude was that was with her. 
you know what? I know innocent till proven guilty, but the guy's got too much of a history to just be ignored. And based on how he behaved and the things he said, it's pretty hard to doubt that he did it. And you know what? Nobody should ever be a victim of domestic violence. Doesn't matter what they do, whether it's for a living or just what they've done in their personal life. Nobody deserves it. It's wrong. It's messed up. And quite frankly, I hope War Machine does get arrested. Sorry, I can't even call him War Machine anymore. Let's go. Let's call him by the name he was originally given. John Copenhaver. Yeah. So, how about... We see he gets arrested and locked up and the key gets thrown away because quite frankly, the world would be a better place if he never sees sunlight from outside of prison walls. And now the next thing, Wanderlei Silva. This is sad because I know guys who've gone and trained with him and they said, you know, a couple years ago anyways, that he was such a nice guy, but he's lost the plot. He's gone. He's nuts. The guy thinks that he can get away scot-free from the Nevada State Athletic Commission because he ran away from random drug testing. No. No. Wandy, you're screwed. You're screwed. The Nevada State Athletic Commission may not ever license you again. I mean, there's a chance he gets vetoed, you know, where they all but get down on their knees for him, but... You know, that's pretty bad. You know, you run away from a random drug test. I mean, come on. That's bad. It's not pride anymore, Vond. You know? You can't get away with pumping yourself full of steroids and amphetamines. Like some of the fighters were. I'm not saying he... I'm not saying you did at the time. But there were fighters who did that. But, regardless, you can't run away. And... Now you're going to have to suffer the consequences. You didn't face it up like a man. You ran. Now you have to suffer. And finally, on a lighter note, I feel really bad for Demetrius Johnson, you know? he He's getting thrust into the pay-per-view headlining position again, and if UFC 178 doesn't do well, he's not going to have a good time self-esteem-wise. And... I That really does make me feel bad for the guy. He's a great fighter, and he's starting to show some more personality. You know, and that's good, and they need to harness that. He needs to get cranky and get people interested. And I hope UFC 178 does well. You know, it's got a great undercard. And I'm sorry, but Johnson versus Kerry also, at the very least, should be a fun fight. And hopefully people will get that. Anywho, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at StormlandBrand. And of course, stay tuned to MMASucka.com for all the latest updates. Follow us on Twitter at, M- at MMASucka, Sucka Radio, at, at Sucka Radio. And don't forget to follow the illustrious interviewer to the stars, Jeremy Brand, at JeremyBrand604. All right, I'm going to hand it back to the man himself. Thanks to my guest today, obviously Justin Perot for his unpopular opinions, as well as Callum Leslie for joining me with his insight on the news from this week and the preview for UFC Fight Night 47, Bader versus St. Preux, um, which could be a very fun card. 
um, if those preliminary matchups were on the main card. With that, there's nothing else for me to chat about. Check out Sucker Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere else that podcasts are heard. Um, like MMASucker.com on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at MMASucca. You can follow myself, Jeremy Brand, on Twitter at JeremyBrand604. And uh, that's about it. Catch us next week. We have a couple interviews lined up. Uh, I won't tell you who they are, so uh, stay tuned. With that, I'm out. This is uh, Robin Williams' first appearance on the, uh, on the Tonight Show. Um, he doesn't do many outside appearances. I think I saw him about three years ago. I think he was on uh, with Dick Cavett one night. As you know, he's the star, uh, star of the very successful Mork and Mindy show, which is uh, beginning its uh, fourth season on the air. I begin this Thursday. And he's going to have seen a new film late next spring called The World According to Garth. Did you ever read that book? I read that book. Interesting, yes. funny book. Would you welcome Robin Williams? People always think reformers don't get nervous. Not at all, really. No. I don't. Oh, God. <laughs> not really. Not at all. Not, real. not me. No way. Is there some reason you don't do this? Is it the fact that you get nervous? Do you Very do much many so. shows? I, I suffer from severe dyslexia, too. I was the only child in my block on Halloween to go trick or trout. <laughs> here, go, oh, look, here comes that young Williams boy again. Better get some fish. Here you go. Say hi to your mom and dad. Hope they find you. Where, where is home for you, or did you come from a home? Yeah. I mean, they said all the people in the institution, Tommy. If you haven't taken your medication yet, it's gonna be fine. They're back at twelve. Back at twelve, yeah. No. How are you, Mr. Williams? I'm real fine. I'm... Look at this thing. Look, flipper. Ah! <laughs> right now there's a sound man going, what are you doing? Oh god. I better relax, relax, relax. It's okay. I'm on TV. Right, You're a nice man, you won't hurt me. No, 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 no. <laughs> Hold on, let me just one sip. One sip. Certainly. Okay, thank you. Don't be afraid. It's not, uh, the sores went away. <laughs> is it simplex two, is it? Yeah. One, one or A two. A real man can stand up to herpes. 